Eddie Van Guys was the man that played the Italian villain in the hit movie from the 70s, Breaking Away. Eddie was a technical advisor, a cycling coach, a race announcer, and a student of the sport. He raced in the Little Five in the 60s. He's going to be here tonight to talk about his experience at IU, being a technical advisor for the movie, Breaking Away, and life moving forward. All up next, we're going to have some fun with Eddie on Fitfoot U. Coming up next. Tonight, I am thrilled to have an old friend, an IU alum, and breaking away uh, actor with me. And we both rode the Little Five. We got to know each other through a race that was in Arlington, called the, originally called the Clarendon Cup. I'm here with Eddie Van Guys, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what it was like to be a fly on the wall in the movie Breaking Away. In fact, he was more than a, a fly on the wall. He was actually the legs the unofficial, I'll give you the credit of the unofficial technical consultant for the movie. Eddie, first, before we roll into Breaking Away, how did you get started with bike racing? You're a Chicago guy. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, first of all, Doc, it's good to uh, be on your podcast, all right? It's, great to uh, have you. It's, it's been a while since we've talked, and it's, and it's great to do that, first of all. Uh, I was uh, an immigrant from Belgium, came to this country, to Chicago when I was four years old. And there was a large uh, Belgian-American community, and uh, I lived like three blocks from Wrigley Field. So uh, I was playing a lot of baseball. You had to, and uh, it was part of your blood. And then the Belgian-American community would go to bike races. Every Tuesday, they would drive to a velodrome in Kenosha, 50 miles away, Wisconsin. And then we had a velodrome in the Chicagoland area uh, in a suburb of Northbrook. And so I saw how infatuated my parents were. They didn't miss these cycling events, cycling being part of the European blood. And uh, all of a sudden at age 13, I said, wow, I'm playing a lot of baseball. I'm, I'm riding my bike. And it, and it was a tough decision when uh, I made uh, the biggest little league team called Fillins. And I had to make a choice between uh, baseball and cycling and I know uh, psychologically now why I why I chose cycling. Uh, it was I wanted to be the uh, I guess the sports hero in the Van Guys family. My brother was a stamp collector and a coin collector, and and, and God bless him. I got two great brothers, and but uh, at that time, uh, yeah, I said you know what they they really love this cycling. I'm going to become a cycling champ, and that's how that happened. When you were Little did you know of Eddie Merckx. Tell us a little bit about your viewing of races before you started racing. Were there anybody that you followed or that came later? Well, you know what? I, I'd hear my, my parents and mainly uh, my dad talking about great Belgian heroes. But no, Eddie Merckx, uh, of course, uh, God, I don't know how old Eddie is right now, but uh, certainly... Uh, uh, the only thing in common, we spell our name the same way, E-D-D-Y, four-letter Eddie. 
And, um, but no, uh, Eddie Merckx wasn't talked about at that time. I learned about Eddie Merckx probably when I'm a 14, 15 year old junior, and he is really starting to make a name for himself. But I'd hear two famous names, legends in Belgium, both named Rick, Rick Van Steenbergen and Rick Van Loy. Those are the guys that I hear my dad and the other Belgian men talking about. Now, now let's fast forward to your entree to uh, Indiana University. How did that come about? What was the um, entree to finding out about the Little Five? Oh my God, that, that's, uh, that's an amazing uh, turnaround. I was supposed to, I went to a, a small uh, all boys prep school, very fine school called DePaul University Academy next to DePaul University. Only 500 boys, there were 125 in my graduation class in 1968. Well, I was supposed to uh, go to University of Illinois. I had already uh, uh, set up a roommate, John Franz from DePaul University Academy. And all of a sudden at the time I, I was working part-time at a bank in Evanston. My parents had moved from the Wrigley area to Evanston for my last senior year because we had had a new baby boy in the family, my younger brother, Mark, and the neighborhood in Wrigleyville was not safe and they didn't want to raise their new baby there. So my dad, who was a union janitor uh, for apartment buildings, three-story walk-ups, uh, he got a job in Evanston in a, a beautiful neighborhood over there. And uh, I got a part-time job working at the Evanston Bank and one day an article comes out about me being um, a champion cyclist in the Evanston Review and the vice president of the bank, Ron Bankston says, Eddie, this is you. He, show, he shows me the article, my picture, that's you. I go, yeah, yeah, Mr. Bankston, that's me. He said, have you ever heard of Little 500? I go, I did read something about it at Indiana University. He goes, I graduated from there. How would you like to see, think about this? I'll set it up. Uh, I was a member of Delta Chi fraternity. You want to go see qualifications in April there, and you could still change your mind. And I'll inform all of a sudden I'm on a Greyhound bus. I go to Bloomington. Uh, all of a sudden, here's a guy that went to an all boys school. And here's these beautiful young gals with signs. Welcome, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Um, wow. They treated me. It was uh, first class. I saw qualifications and all of a sudden they asked me, Eddie, we'd like you to join Delta Chi fraternity. And uh, I said, wow, I'm right now scheduled to, you know, go to University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. They said, um, and I said, my parents cannot afford out-of-state tuition. So, uh, and they said, well, you think your grades are good enough? Could you, could you get into IU? It's not easy for out-of-state. I go, and I wasn't trying to be cocky, but I was confident. And I said, oh, I said, uh, I'm, you know, I think I'm like 12th in my class out of uh, 125 at a, what's considered best prep school. I did well, SAT, ACT. I said, I don't think it's a problem. Well, Eddie, do this, okay? Uh, why, don't you just, uh, why don't you just apply as soon as possible and uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, meanwhile, they gave me a pledge pin and, uh, and I came home. And then after I was accepted there, long story short, I ended up at the Little Delta Chi fraternity. So tell us about the early days of, uh, well, before we get to that, 
I guess you had a very interesting story with the IU Foundation when you were about when you did your first uh, little five or, or on the precipice of doing your first little five. Oh, my God, it was amazing. So first of all, Delta Chi was a, a little rowdy house and um, some people called it a little animal house. And uh, it wasn't renowned for a, a great GPA. And there was a lot of partying going on. And uh, anyway, I, I wasn't aware of this uh, until after I'm a member of the house there. But all of a sudden, the word got out that little Delta Chi, and they used to uh, say something insulting. They used to say, people were asked, how many fraternities are there at IU? And an answer, I'm sorry to say oftentimes, was 33 and Delta Chi. So uh, you truly yeah. were like the the uh, <laughs> the stigmatized animal house for sure. Absolutely, Doc. Absolutely. So now word gets out that uh, all of a sudden um, we're training months in advance, and the word gets out that uh, there's this accomplished cyclist at Delta Chi, but <clears throat> it things got twisted. They said that Delta Chi had brought in a pro cyclist from Belgium to compete in Little Five. And it got so serious, this rumor, that <clears throat> I had to appear in front of the IU Student Foundation. And they were expecting someone to walk in with a heavy accent, not speaking English that well. And so when I walked in, they said uh, very slowly, are you Eddie Van Geis? And I rattled off, yes, I'm Eddie Van Geis. Um, I was born in Belgium. I came over when I was four. I grew up in Chicago, in Wrigleyville, next to Wrigley Field. And I went to DePaul Academy and, and there's silence. Oh, okay, Eddie, okay. And everything was okay after that. Was, was Bill Armstrong there at that time? Was he involved with that? Do you remember even? You know what, Bill wasn't at that meeting there, uh, but of course, uh, as they called him, Army, um, a legend at IU and of course he was the main man when you talked about the Indiana Foundation the Indiana Student Foundation um, yeah so Bill Armstrong was the main man of course but he wasn't at that particular meeting now, now there's a great picture of you I'm going to fast forward to some of the ra your races at IU there's a great picture of you in, in the scrum, in the old stadium, and everybody's, you know, really banked at an angle. And you were telling me some differences with that, that uh, old stadium uh, where the Arboretum is now at, at IU. Tell, and so this, you know, you, you basically, you've got the, these four stars, four or five stars on your helmet. You can tell us what that was about, but also you looked really determined, but you were, you were pretty much at, at the, the top three of that pack. Tell us a little bit about that race and some of the highlights of the races that you got to ride in and maybe some of your experiences. Well, um, wow, it was, it was that's quite that, a- That's that pick out right out of John Schwab's book that, that, we, uh, that we were talking about. Yeah, that picture, that that is my senior year. And it was, you know, I wasn't gonna do anything to a helmet, nothing fancy. It was my fraternity brothers that, uh, Hey, you're the four-star general of the team. And, and we had built a house back up at that time from the little animal house where uh, I'll just say that oh, they closed us up uh, first semester of my sophomore year. And thank God for uh, 
a vice president of IU who gave uh, about 15 of us that were very determined to keep Delta Chi going. And we moved to another house on Third Street. He uh, waived rent temporarily and said, show me that you guys can recruit. And it's funny, my, my fraternity brothers and coaches, the Risinger boys, it's there was one tool to recruit and it was look at little 500. And so freshman year was tough. Uh, uh, I think freshman year, well, we had a few crashes, my teammates. We lost a couple of laps and I rode over a hundred laps. And I think we ended up finishing 10th, eighth or 10th. Sophomore year, we win the pole position. And one of my, uh, one of my teammates, there's a crash not far from the end. We're chasing, 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 getting closer to Sigma Phi Epsilon. And uh, anyway, we couldn't catch them, but uh, I sprinted to pass Dodd's house for second place runner up. And then junior year, uh, my conditioning was was excellent. I felt great. My, every year, my teammates are more determined getting better. We've got better teams now. And um, my junior year, I rode the first 50 laps, over 50 laps without getting off the bike. And the announcer was saying, we have a new record for the first 50 laps, a little 500 on this old stadium uh, that you're talking about that was totally flat, not banked at all. And then when I went out for my second set, there was a crash in front of me. I flipped over and I couldn't breathe. I'm, I'm going to the pit area. And I'm like, <gasps> I couldn't talk. And I, I told Randy Reisinger, my coach, and Steve in there, you know, I can't breathe. And I'll never forget Randy goes, oh, you just think you're hurt. Come on, come on, you're, you're all right. So I rode over 100 laps, and uh, I forget where we finished at that time. Um, God, where did we finish? I, I can't remember. I don't know if it was in the top 10 or just beyond that. But I went immediately to the infirmary. And uh, they confirmed that I had cracked ribs. So I kept riding with the cracked ribs. And that was the most disappointing. I was so fit. And in senior year, put together the best team. Myself, Steve Dayton, a national cycling champion. Um, uh, Mark Dayton, Steve Schaefer. We won the pole position. Won the pole position. Uh, it started to snow. And it wasn't safe. And we were petitioning, are you going to stop qualifications? And I won't get into the politics, but the head of it said, uh, no, you guys got to try to go for it. And uh, anyway, there's footage of this. But I thought in turn four, I was sliding all over the place. There's footage that a professor, Charles Ecker, to take it. Randy Reisinger has this, and he had sent this out. But anyway, we took our time in that dangerous wet track, in the snow, snow coming down that you see on the footage. We shouldn't have been out there, it was dangerous. Took our time and then they stopped qualifications after we did it. And then they came back in the afternoon on a beautiful sunny day with a hard track and we sat there and we said, it's gonna cost us the pole position. Well, it didn't. We ended up winning the poll. I don't know if it was by eight seconds, even though all these good teams were competing on a dry, hard track. And then when it came to race day, my senior year, as you mentioned, John Schwab, that wonderful book on the history of, of a little 500, he's got it accurate. Uh, 
it started to rain on that day. And I'm on the bike and I know the rule says that after lap 100, they can wave the white flag and it's time to sprint for the championship. And so I'm on the bike and I think it was around lap 79 that they stopped the race. Uh, we went and ate a dinner. We stayed at a hotel in, in downtown Bloomington. And all of a sudden I got sick as a dog. Um, I was vomiting. Um, I was going to the bathroom because of the other end. We just say it the way it is. And I didn't sleep at all. And in the morning and, and my fraternity brother, I mean, my teammates are in the same hotel. Our coaches are, and all they're hearing me is constantly going to the bathroom. So day two, we have our meeting. Eddie's sick as a dog. Um, Eddie, you want to start on the bike? I go, no. I go, we got Steve Dayton here to start on the bike. We've got other accomplished teammates, Mark Dayton, Steve Schaefer. I go, I'm not capable of doing that right now, but I will be there. But we got to talk to a fraternity brother's doc, uh, father, who's a doctor, Steve Schrock, Dr. Schrock. And I just, we explained to him, I met with him and I said, I was pale. I had the quivers. I mean, I was weak. And I uh, said to uh, Dr. Schrock, I need to put something in, in, in my body. I mean, what can I have for nutrition? He goes, Eddie, your blood sugar is so low. I need you guys. He told the coaches, you buy a bunch of Jello, and you melt that in warm water. It's got to be melted. Eddie, I want you to start drinking this melted Jello. We got to get your blood sugar up. You got to live on this right now. We we just you got to do that. If if you feel also uh, along with that that you could have fine pieces of roast beef, little pieces. It's got to start with this. So uh, anyway, uh, I wasn't myself in the race. I, I couldn't contribute as much. I contributed significantly. There was a key point when Kappa Sigs, our main competitors, a teammate on the bike, uh, we were trying to bring him in. He wasn't aware that they had broken away. And they are, we're in pit number one at the old stadium where you didn't choose your pit. Now they let teams choose where you want to have your pit based on qualifications. But anyway, we were uh, coming out of uh, turn number one is where the first pit was. And these guys, Kappa Sig, an awesome team. We knew they were the second best team talent-wise, Shani O, Bob Kirkwood and those guys. And um, anyway, uh, <laughs> finally we got uh, our teammate Steve Schaefer off the bike. And we were in danger of getting lapped and Randy said it was my first set. And he goes, uh, Eddie, we need five, six good laps out of you like never before. If we get lapped by these guys, it's a shorter race today. It's not a 200-lap race with a dominant team where we can hammer for 200 laps. It's a shorter race because of the rain delay. And I went out, and I picked up over a half lap in about six laps, came in. Steve Dayton just went back, and all of a sudden, we closed up that gap. It was amazing. And then at the end of the race, Randy Reisinger said to me, he goes, Eddie, how are you feeling? You feel like sprinting for the win at the end. And I go, do I feel like it? Yeah, I said, but am I the, the healthiest body right now? I felt weaker. I said, Steve Dayton has only finished in qualification, in all of our time checks, when we did lap times, he was only 
three tenths, four tenths of a second slower than me in a lap. I said, Steve is a great champion in cycling. And I said, let me set Steve up. Anyway, so I give the bike to Steve with, I think it was with about five, six laps to go. And Steve just wasn't aware that the white flag was coming out as early. And uh, the facts are that he started with one lap to go in about 13th, 14th position. He sprinted through everybody's pits. I'm watching from sitting on a, on a, you know, on a stationary bike and he's sprinting through pit areas where people are getting out of the way. I don't know how he kept the bike up. And at the end, he lost by a little bit to uh, Bob Kirkwood's. We finished a disappointing second, but uh, that's so it a sounded story. like a great race. Uh, I can't call it. I a mean, great it wasn't race. Not, a, not a great race health wise, but just, you know, the fact of the matter is that with all that, you still managed to fall uh, yeah. in second. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was my biggest. Uh, it was my biggest. It's, it's it's stated, and you know, John Schwab did such a great job interviewing coaches. The the, the chapter on the Delakai dynasty, getting everything right about. Uh, yeah, it was my uh, my biggest disappointment in my cycling career. And yet, a year later, when I came back, everything changed because little Delta Kai that had grown into a bigger house with a good GPA, unlike the earlier years. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Wayne Stetna was a top racer. And he led us to victory the year after my senior year. And I was invited there in 73, after that disappointing 72 race, because I was inducted into the Little 500 Hall of Fame. Every year, one rider was voted by his peers, the riders. And so as I'm there, on the infield, accepting my Hall of Fame plaque, my Delta Chi fraternity wins its first little 500. And all the blood, sweat, and tears and disappointment was erased. I was so happy for the Delta Chi house. Everything I, wanna, I, worked, everything I worked for, Doc, had ended up good. I want to get now to... Uh what everybody sort of knows you for. And before we get into how you, you fell into the movie, uh, tell us a little bit about that scene that I did in the intro. What was the, uh, what was the real deal with the, uh, the stunt work on that? Cause it looks like uh, you put it in uh, Dennis Christopher's spokes, you know, you know, you were the villain on Chinzano yeah. and yeah. then he, he did the flip. So tell us about the stunt work with that, with that, that scene. It's a, it's an amazing scene. It looks real. Yeah, you know what? We only did two takes on that, Doc. So um, Peter Yates said to me, he said, um, with his uh, English accent, Eddie, uh, we have to make sure, oh, this, let me get things, all right, I'm jumping the gun here on you, which you know I'm capable of, but I'll get back on track, Doc, okay? I'll get back on track. So anyway, Conrad Palmazano was a stuntman, a very accomplished Hollywood stuntman, Conrad Palmazano. Uh, the other stuntman in uh, Breaking Away was Diamond Farnsworth. Anyway, when we first did the stunt there, um, we couldn't go more than 15 miles an hour. Um, Conrad Palmazano had a slinky, not your normal metal cable, which is round and can be stiff. This was like a slinky flat thing attached to his right fork blade. Now, the camera angle 
for this stunt when I put this, uh, the pump in, it's at an angle from the left. So you don't see this. So what they did before the stunt, I think he had probably 100 yards of this cable going no more than 15 miles an hour, a slight downhill. He buried this huge mattress underneath the grass for him to take his tumble. And then Peter Yates said to me, he said, Eddie, I'm going to give you a verbal cue. You're going to thrust this pump, but you're not going to stick it in the wheel, okay? But I have to tell you where, because I know we want Conrad to fall on his mattress. That's most important. I said, okay, Peter, fine. So we did the stunt that way once, and all of a sudden, it wasn't good. They looked at it. It wasn't good. So... Uh, Matt Leonetti, cinematographer, Peter Yates, and Mike Grillo, first assistant director. So now, Peter, they hand me a pump, a silk of pump that's reinforced with tape and lead. And Peter says to me, goes, Eddie, could you put this in the wheel? Could you do it? And I go, I'd love to do it. I'd love to. And he looks at me and goes, but Conrad has to fall on his mattress, Eddie or we're in very big trouble, do you understand? I said, I understand that, of course, safety first. I said, but can I make a suggestion, Peter, about uh, you gave me an audio cue. I'd rather, instead of an audio cue, could we lay a slight twig, a, a branch, I'm gonna call it, little branch from a tree. Could I lay that there? on the gravel on the side of the road at the point where I have to put the pump in. Rather than you giving me the audio cue, oh, I think that's a wonderful idea. And so I knew, we looked where his mattress was, we knew where his cable, where he was gonna run out of cable, but I had to stick it in before because that didn't look good the first time. So he's got his cable there as like backup I needed to make sure that like two yards before the cable runs out, it was a huge mattress for him to hit. And uh, and it worked out and they were all, they jumped up and that was great. And uh, Conrad, I guess they didn't tell him or something. He goes, you really put the pump in. He got up smiling. He goes, good job. And uh, and that's oh, what it happened. Looked, it, looked to it looked like a total realistic crash. So the, the cable then guided where the frame of the bike went and the flip on, Okay, yes. so, so that, yeah, you had that force of the stop, but the cable was guiding the, the tumble, right. so you, you hit the yeah. mark. Yeah, Absolutely, but, but Doc, let me tell you something else, how we shot some, some other scenes. So you remember that uh, me, the, the one dirty Italian at Team Genzano, I mean, I shift his gears and I'm laughing, you know. Yeah, hey, that in the intro. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around. Well, guess what? Hollywood precaution, Dennis Christopher, Dave Stoller, didn't have a front wheel in his bike at that. They're pulling him on the road. His fork is in a pulley being dragged by a car. And Peter Yates explained to me, he goes, we could never take a chance. I, I go, you know, he really didn't need that. I go, I'm not going to apply a bunch of pressure when I lean over. We can't take a chance on that. We can't have our star fall and all of a sudden shooting is done. Broke, broken clavicle, yeah. Right, so that happens at that point. And if you look at the film also, 
when he comes up and wants to speak Italian and I give him the old filare, when I give him that, he doesn't have a front wheel either. So they just show if you look at the way they shoot that. So some of the tricks of, uh, of those shots. Now let's go backwards to um, Gary, uh, Gary Rebar and, and your, your, I guess you're riding, you, I guess you guys rode, you didn't talk a little bit about, uh, or much about that during the time you were talking about the, uh, the races at, with the little five, but I guess he was one of the riders in, in a couple of the years that you, you did the race. No, Gary raced after me. And, oh, okay. Okay. He, he he knew you. Okay. So that's why you didn't mention him. Makes sense. Right. Well, well, tell me, uh, and now, now it makes sense even further. The, the entryway to him, tell the story, how, how you got involved by happenstance, really. It, it is. And, uh, it was wonderful. We, uh, Gary and I, good friends, uh, fraternity brothers. He looked up to me. He came to Little Five, and it was like, hey, you know, I had been the hero at Delta Chi, then Wayne Stetna and Rybar. And uh, so, but Gary. He's, he's, he, he sees the casting call. And he, then, he, and, he and, and tell, us, tell us about that. He sees that. Well, and yeah, I'm Doc, I'm broadcasting the. Uh, um, the national championships from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, all of a sudden Gary Rybar, he saw in the Bloomington paper, the last four principal parts for the movie being shot here, Bambino, in case you didn't know it, doc, that was the working title of the movie. Throughout the shooting, there was no breaking away. Every vehicle had Bambino. So that was the working title for Steve Tessich's his script, Bambino, which ended up being title breaking away. And he but, was a writer too, by the way. And he was a writer, boy, with, uh, yeah, writing with the uh, the motivation for that screenplay, that story being told, wonderful. Dave Blaze's uh, Fyside brother. But anyway, so Gary sees that the last four principal parts for the movie were gonna be the Italian bike racers, Team Cenzano. And they stated there that uh, um, we'd like you to turn in a picture you must look Italian or be Italian. Please be an accomplished. Please be a good cyclist. They didn't say accomplished, a good cyclist. Um, and if you have any acting background. So God, I'm announcing the U.S. National Cycling Championships. And uh, uh, Gary had turned in my picture and I'm, he had given a phone number for my parents. And so I get a call in Milwaukee. It's my mom, God bless her, and with her Belgium accent, Eddie, 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 20th Century Fox want you to try out for the movie. I go, Mom, what did you tell him? Oh, I told him he's going he to try out for you. He's going to try out. Uh, he's going to call you. So uh, she gave me a number. And uh, when I was done, when I was done announcing and the national championships and being wined and dined by sponsors and eating and drinking well. And I wasn't riding the bike much. So I call them up and they tell me in two weeks, I'm going to have, can you make it to an audition? And yeah, I'll make it to the audition. So it was two weeks of not having any brewskis. I mean, you know, born in Belgium, we like beers. It's, it's at mealtime, of course, one of our standard things, but so no beer for two weeks. On the bike, I had to lose I had to lose 20 pounds. And then I hung out at Foster Beach 
in Chicago was good for my eyes, beautiful scenery, and I got dark. I got a nice dark tan. And then uh, Gary Rybar picked me up at the Bloomington Airport. We went to the audition at the Best Western Hotel on, uh, I think, on 3rd Street. And uh, there were like 120 really Italian-looking guys. Some brought their bikes. And uh, so uh, I wore a white shirt with my shirt was open and a big collar on. And I had my long curly locks. And uh, when I walked into the uh, little chain, did you have like a little oh, yeah, I didn't do that. Italian horn? <laughs> I should have had the horn, dude. That's good, Doc. You know, you <laughs> don't got it. I didn't have that prop. I no, it, look, you, you had everything else. I'm sure you had the ch a couple of chest hairs popping out of the. Out of the <laughs> I love your input. If I had to do it over, it would have been there. The horn would have been there. Anyway, no, you, you had you had the uh, precognition to do that. That's great. Uh, That's great. So I, I go in a room and Peter Yates, his English accent, this brilliant director I had read about who had done the greatest car chase scene still in Hollywood, Bullet with Steve McQueen, had done the deep with Jacqueline Bissett and and uh, uh, Mother Jugs and Speed and all these other movies. And he looks at me and he goes, my, we have quite the Italian here, haven't we? And I said, uh, are you Mr. Yates, sir? I'm Peter, call me Peter, Eddie. I said, no, Peter. I said, uh, I was born in Belgium. I go, uh, I'm not Italian. I guess you'd call me a dark, a dark Belgian, I go. And uh, he laughed and uh, anyway, he, he said to me, he said, so do you think he could speak Italian lines? And I said, with the proper coaching, there'd be no problem. I go, I, I speak Flemish and, and Dutch. And I said, in school, I go, I, I think I'm about uh, 60, 70% fluent German with the right coaching. I, I believe that I could deliver Italian like you want it. And uh, anyway, asked a few other questions, but then I asked a very key question. I go, Peter, is the race and breaking away a serious bike race or is it what we would call a tour? There are tours. And, and he goes, why are you asking me this? I go, well, you've got a few guys out there with 10 speed bikes that have brakes on the handle cars, the flat part. They don't even have racing bars that are the drop bars. And he looks at Mike Grillo and, and Mike goes, Eddie, thanks. Thanks. Or Peter goes, no, no, this is a serious race. He goes, we want all these American racers. It's not a tour. And these, this great Italian team, team Genzano is coming over. And these are Dave's heroes. And he's been a good American bike. So this is a real significant race. I go, okay, you wouldn't want in any scene a bike to be seen with flat bars and uh, and brakes like this, non-drop bars. And didn't some of them even have reflectors? Yes, yes. Yeah, Doc, yeah. they did. <laughs> reflectors in the wheels. And, yeah. So he goes, Eddie, he was he was very grateful. And he said, Eddie, will you will you go to the lobby? Will you just wait at the end of the night? I'd like to talk to you again. So wait another uh hour and a half or something like that, hour 15. <clears throat> I get called in. <clears throat> Peter Yates sticks out his hand and Mike Grillo, I'd like to welcome you, the first member of Team Chinzana for the movie. And I said, well, thank you very much. And uh, 
And then he says, Eddie, I wasn't that impressed with the Italian looking guys I met here in Bloomington tonight. He said, I either got to go to New York where there's a lot of Italians to choose from, or let me ask you a question. Chicago, do you know any bike racers that could pass for Italians? And would you see them shortly? And I go, that's funny you say that. I said, I'm announcing this coming Sunday, I'm announcing the Tour of Elk Road. I go, they call it a tour, but it's a real bike race. Like Tour de France is a real bike race, but they call it the Tour of Elk Road Village, a suburb of Chicago. And I go, there's John Vandeveld has dark features. His great grandparents immigrants from Belgium. There's a Pete Lazara, a real Italian, an immigrant. And I said, there's Carlos Sintes, who uh, I think Carlos was Cuban. Forgive me, Carlos. He might have been Puerto Rican, and I, uh, if if I have it wrong, but wonderful. So wonderful. you basically built the Chinzano team, and Eddie, in this last minute before break, I want you to tell me how you uh, got your old Delta Chi uh, brother and what a stroke that ended up being, because he was. I'll, I'll let you tell the story. What happened at the first casting call, and then what what happened after? Well, as they asked me to take a Polaroid camera to this race in Chicago. And would you take three headshots of these cyclists I described, front view, would you get a profile? Would you get all three together? And Eddie, here's a FedEx number. So they gave me a Polaroid, I did all that. They hand me this camera, I go, could you do me one favor, Peter, Mike, Grillo, could you do me a favor? Gary Rybar that, that sent the picture and I'm here because of his effort, okay? Oh man, those were some great stories by Eddie Van Guys. Next time on Fit Foot U, we're gonna find out what Peter Yates said to Eddie's request to get his buddy in the movie. There's gonna be some other stories that we're gonna enjoy coming up next time. This is Dr. Ben Pearl with Fit Foot U.